but not a crap book. I ain't got the time. Who's got the time? There's a podcast that helps me through. Chris and Jerry do it for you. Books for beginners on the racks and spinners. Find winners. Tell the good from bad, the crappy from rad. Bad. Bad books for beginners on the racks and spinners. Find winners. Tell the good from bad, the crappy from rad. Tell the good from bad, the crappy from rad. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 178. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book that Chris and I are covering is Robin, the Big Leagues. Chris, tell us a little bit about the book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for downloading and sharing a part of your day with us. Robin, The Big Leagues, is a 128-page softcover trade paperback that was cover dated March 2008 and was cover priced at $12.99. This trade collects Robin issue numbers 163 through 167. The original five issues were cover dated August 2007 through December 2007 and each had a cover price of $2.99. As far as I could find out, this trade paperback has only gone through one printing. Should you be considering obtaining a hard copy version of this work, online vendors have this for slightly less than cover price, and that goes for the individual issues as of individual issues as well. So it's a bit of a toss up there. The issues do appear to be available on Comixology. For our creative team backgrounds, I'm going to go off my memory and some online sources. The first four issues were written by Adam Beechin. Beechin has been mentioned on a previous podcast. Beechin is an Illinois native. His first credited published work was a graphic novel named Hench with artist Manny Bello, which was published under the AIT Planet Lar Publishing Group in 2004. I think I first encountered Beechin's work on this Robin title, as well as his work on Teen Titans around the same time, and then later he did work on Batgirl and Batman Beyond. Fans may recognize his name for his work on Justice League Unlimited and the Countdown Maxi series. He's done numerous writing for other comic book titles. Beechin's also worked on scripts for numerous animated television series, including Teen Titans, The Wild Thornberries, Rugrats, Pink Panther and Pals, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, Transformers Prime, The Batman, I remember him on that, and Ben 10. Most recently, he was the head writer on Transformers Robots in Disguise, which ended in 2017. Brandon Thomas wrote the last story in this trade. He's the current writer for the image title Horizon, now which I've been told is very, very, very good, but I confess I'm just not familiar with it. He's also written on Spider-Man Unlimited and Voltron, and he created the character Miranda Mercury. Thomas lives in the San Diego area. For our penciler, we had Freddie E. Williams II. 
Now, I believe he was mentioned on the previous Robin Trade paperback that we reviewed. Williams was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. He grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, and now he lives in Lee's Summit, Missouri with his wife. Williams was inspired to become a comic book artist at the age of 15 after seeing Jim Lee's artwork in The Uncanny X-Men number 272. He's also worked on The Flash uh, after he did a long, long stint on this particular Robin title. He's won an Eisner Award for his work on the Seven Soldiers Mr. Miracle series. Williams also wrote a book called The DC Comics Guide to Digitally Drawing Comics. And you can find more information about him on his website, www.freddyart.com. The cover art to each issue was provided by Patrick Gleason and Wayne Foucher. Gleason has worked on DC, Marvel, and Image, including Green Lantern Corps. Wayne Foucher was the inker who has several, several credits, and he's been in this industry since 1995. On Amazon.com, this trade paperback has a rating of 3.9 out of 5 stars based on four online reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.6. (laughs) <laughs> stars uh, out of five based on 80 ratings now the All question right. comes how will jerry and i rate this <laughs> please stay tuned keep listening and with that i'm going to hand it back over to you jerry well thanks chris so we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends trekker talk a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. We'll be discussing the stories, characters, and art in this excellent retro sci-fi adventure series, as well as having side conversations about other areas of fandom. We hope you'll join us as we travel from the dangerous back streets of New Gallif to the depths of outer space and everywhere in between. Trekker Talk is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at trekkertalk.com. Welcome back. So here is the story of Robin, the Big Leagues. Now, this is a five-issue uh, series Four of which are one story, and one of which is a is a secondary story. So we'll talk about them separately. Tim Drake is grateful to Bruce for adopting him, so he gets him a watch for a Father's Day present. He leaves the jewelry store in a hurry to head home to cook Bruce dinner when he runs into Zoanne, a classmate and his ex quote unquote tutor. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> the two share feelings for each other, which is obvious, but. He's trying to play it cool and is flippant with her, and she's insulted and leaves. Nearby, a motorcyclist steals a woman's handbag, and Tim gets in the Robin suit and takes off after the thief. Out of nowhere, a mortar explosion kills the crook. Suddenly, a dozen masked bad guys called the Jury come down a fire escape. They have sentenced the robber to his fiery death. Robin voices his displeasure and grabs one of the jurors. The team teams up and knocks him down and points guns at him, but he's able to fight off his attackers. Bruce and Alfred are concerned that Tim is late coming home to make dinner. He finally makes it and explains what happens. He gives Bruce the watch, which is now destroyed. Bruce isn't upset at all, and he's just glad Tim is home safe. 
He does hold Tim to his promise to make dinner and settles for scrambled eggs. Aww. Yeah, isn't that nice? <laughs> At school, Tim apologizes to Zoanne. He's also asked to be on the tennis team by the studly Craig Pulaski, which he initially refuses, but later comes to think might be fun. Bruce isn't so sure it's a good idea, but Tim really wants to, and leaves the Batcave in a huff at Bruce's displeasure. Gotham General Hospital's Meta Injury Ward Emergency Room is attacked by a group of Metas, led by the Dodge, a Meta-human in a hoodie that can displace himself in space. They put a force field around the hospital, where the GCPD finally arrive. The Dodge demands they bring him Robin. Now, who is the Dodge, and what's what's he up to? Now, he's assembled a collection of weirdos and brought them to the hospital. He has Brutus, the giant man-bull guy. He also gets the team of Macro, a giant woman, and Micro, a tiny man. Also, the Tapeworm, who is a drunken mess of tapewormery stringiness. Uh, hard to explain. Uh, the, <laughs> the Dodge finds him, uh, you know, he's kind of a, a drunken mess. Yeah, I think you did a good job of that, Jerry. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, the Dodge wants tapeworm, you know, inexplicably, because he had fought Robin before, and he knows how Robin fights. He also finds Cheater. Now, he, he locates him in a bar. The Cheater is a man with sunglasses whose superpower appears to be um, cheating, maybe. I don't know. It's not really clear at this point. As he gets the cheater, a figure leaves the bar. It's Robin's snitch, Nilla. Now, we've seen Nilla before. As he leaves, he's in an alley, and Nilla gets taken down by the masked female assassin, Skill. Now, the Dodge and Cheater go out and see Skill, and they talk, and she joins the team. And they send Nilla to go get Robin. Now, finally, at, at the hospital, Robin goes to the hospital and offers himself to the Dodge. They lower the force field, and Robin enters. Commissioner Gordon wants to send in the GCPD, but Batman says Robin's got it covered. The Dodge tells his team that he doesn't want anyone hurt. He had respected Batman and Robin when he was young, and he got his dodging powers through a teleportation belt his Star Lab scientist father was working on. But when he tried to hook up with Robin and join his team, his belt exploded and he became a glowing super freak. Now he wants his revenge. Robin goes into the hospital, fights off Macro and Micro, as well as Tapeworm, and he fights them pretty easily. Brutus is too big for him to physically hurt, so he blinds him with a flash grenade and looks for the other baddies. The cheater disappears, he does have some superpowers apparently, and he hits Robin with the hospital heart paddles, you know. Luckily, the Robin suit takes most of the damage. He goes to kill Robin, but the Dodge stops him, saying, no, we're just here to hurt him, not kill him. And they argue about it, and while they argue, Robin's able to zap the cheater. Brutus returns, and some more punching and kicking ensues. Robin's able to get the upper hand, and Dodge teleports the remaining baddies out of the hospital. Afterwards, Robin tells Batman that the Dodge isn't a bad guy, 
but he's hooked up with a bunch of killers and he's in over his head. The Dodge is angry at the team for trying to kill Robin instead of just beating him up. The three, Brutus, Cheater, and Skill, want Robin dead. They realize that Robin now knows they are coming, and the next fight will be harder because Robin will be ready for them. Skill shows that she has some some very strange uh, psychic powers. She's able to tell the Dodge that she knows intimate secrets about him and says that she can keep Robin off balance because she knows things about him like his real name. Back at high school, it turns out that Tim is a terrible tennis player. You know, and I really thought he'd have at least a decent forehand, you know, but he, he, he would not return anything. Come on, give, give this guy a break. He's an athlete. I mean, you know, okay, maybe he can't do the backhand, maybe he can't do a lob, but give him something. I mean, he just, come on. Oh, man. Tim, get it together. Yeah. So Craig Pulaski, as it turns out, is dating Zoanne, which upsets Tim. Can't blame him. Back in the Batcave, Tim insists that he wants to keep playing tennis and tells Batman that, though he respects him, he doesn't want to be him. This unexpectedly makes Bruce very happy. Tim goes on a nighttime walk in North Park, where he is accosted by the bad guys. They have threatened Dodge's family, so now he is theoretically on board with killing Robin. When they confront Tim, it turns out it isn't Tim at all, but Zatara, who uses the park's trees to attack the crooks. Cheater's impressed, and Robin wants to and wants to know how Robin knew about their attack. And it turns out that Skill, behind her mask, is actually Ravager, Robin's ally. Zatara uses the park's lamps to hold the bad guys in place. The Dodge is able to escape, and Robin tells him that he knows he's not a bad guy. And while they talk, Brutus and Cheater free themselves. Cheater throws some bombs, and Dodge saves Robin's life. Cheater puts an air bubble around Zatara to keep his spells from working. Brutus turns into an ancient bull beast. Dodge taunts him, and when Brutus charges, he d- Dodge disappears, which causes the bull man to step on one of Cheater's landmines. Boom! Cheater grabs Dodge. Big boom. Yeah, big bada boom. <laughs> Cheater grabs Dodge, and when he tries to teleport away, his energy re, uh, reacts with Cheater's energy, and it causes Dodge to fade away. Satara can't save him, and the Dodge disappears into nothingness. Robin makes sure that the Dodge gets credit for saving the day. And that's the end of the main story. The side story is called Death Wish. Robin is dealing with an escape from Arkham without Bruce. Riot Act has gotten hold of a runway truck and Robin is trying to get to the driver as they dodge traffic. He finally disables the driver and gets him taken back to Arkham. Now Tim has to get Lockup, also known as Bolton. Tim hears that shots have been fired and there are hostages at Gotham Plaza Hotel, so he races off to save the day or night as it is. Uh, When he arrives, one innocent man is already dead. Tim makes his way through the hotel to a ballroom where there are hostages and a group of armed villains. Robin takes them all out and brutally beats a man that has hurt a little girl's father. He is stopped from doing more damage to the man and Robin is embarrassed at how violent he was able to get. 
Robin learns of a problem at a sh- uh, on a ship at sea. It's Bolton. Robin fights the much bigger man. Bolton hits him with a severe electric shock, and he is about to really beat him down. Robin dives into the water, and Bolton follows. Underwater, the bigger man has less advantage, and Robin is able to defeat him. Tim goes to the grave of his father and assures him that he will never being up in uh, never give up being a good guy. Batman overhears and he assures Tim that he knows he will be true to his word. Batman then tells Jack Drake that he will take care of his son. The end. To fight the unbeatable foe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Oh man. So, Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace. A monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace. WordPress. Com. Welcome back. So, Chris, what do you think about the book? Well, Jerry, first off, uh, let me take care of some business. Great job on the musical <laughs> intro on the show. Thank you so much. That was <laughs> really, you. really great. Second thing, one thing I want to get off. Before getting into this book, I just want to comment on the last thing that we did. We got some feedback on this. And I don't know if I was too harsh on it. I kind of stand by my score. But I'm reminded of an old comedian. He was from Britain. His name was Benny Hill. And this was like – this was like – Benny Hill did things you could not get away with today. He was a British comic and he had a syndicated show here in the United States. And some of his acts were done – with no dialogue, but they were just silent. And one of the acts he would do, he would be in a restaurant, and he'd either be a waiter or a customer, and he'd either get served a plate of food. There'd be two plates of food or two glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. And he'd take a he, – he'd sniff the one plate first, being a waiter or servant, they think, oh, no, this is dreadful. I can't serve him that. So he puts the plate down in front of the customer. Then he, he, takes, the, he, he takes the other plate, sniffs at it, and thinks – Oh my gosh, this is much worse. And then he flips it real quick and does it the quick. So thinking it's that bad. So I think when you look at comics, you sort of have to put things in perspective. In other words, you think something is average or mediocre, but then something else comes along. And then it, when you review books, sometimes it can be just a really tough scale to look at. And while I think um, I may have been a little harsh on the last work we looked at, I am going to stick by the score. Yeah. So let's dive into this. What did I think about this book? This was an interesting read in that it was bookended from the front end and from the back end of two separate standalone stories. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle, we got this nice meaty sandwich where we've got this uh, ragtag group of villains going after Robin and, and things like that. I thought the first story had some charm. I thought the jury had some very cool costumes and face masks anyway with these numbers on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought some of the lines were cheesy, though, uh, where Robin says these guys are two tacos short of a combination platter. I thought that was <laughs> kind of silly. They they had a really – you know, and for the readers, Robin 163 had this really bloody cover on it. You know, it's got yeah. a watch band, and it's got all this blood over it. Just like, oh my gosh, how, how grotesque is that of an image? And so you kind of got for, for telling that, oh yeah, if, if, if 
Tim's going to give Bruce a watch at the end of the story, oh, it's going to be broken. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. No, it, it's in our butts. You knew this was going to happen, so it's it had a predictable ending. We had this really grotesque scene of a motor shell taking out a purse snatcher, mm-hmm. which was really, really violent. But the story had a little hard, if not a predictable ending. I'm going to jump ahead to the uh, last story before I get to the middle. Riot Act, Robin versus Lockup. This was the story that was written by Brandon Thomas, whereas uh, Beechin wrote the, the first four. So you, I did detect a, a distinct shift in tone with the way the story was told. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, setup, a lot of internal thought with this that we didn't see in the prior issues. Mm-hmm. This had some emotional weight and resonance. However, I was lost because if this this felt like it tied into another story in progress yeah. with, with the Arkham thing going on. So little lost there, but great ending. Okay, now let's get to the meat of this. Uh, Robin 164 through 166. Mm-hmm. Jerry, I love really C and D list villains. Love them, <laughs> love them, love them. That said, I wish we had a little bit more to uh, get, get in this uh, stew of a sandwich here because macro and micro, I, you, you've got this small little dude and this huge hulking woman, mm-hmm. and I wanted more of that. I, I want to yeah. see what, what, what's the story, you know? Dodges, okay. Tapeworm, another ridiculous villain. <laughs> you know, and he's appeared in Robin before. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, he's got this stench. We've got Skill, who's this woman who who looks like a costume cross between Marvel's chameleon and the Punisher. Oh. And here she is, and she's doing it in heels. Of course. You yeah, know, this course. is like yeah. you, know, you gotta put the woman in heels, you know. And you know, and I thought, you know, she's this faceless character. What's what's her story? You know, mm-hmm. what's going on there? Uh Okay, you know this this played out really nice. I, I sort of had a uh, Spider Man feel to it because you know some of his villains aren't really a, you know a list. He's got he's got his list of uh, dog villains too. Mm-hmm. I thought the best part of the story though was, I think it was in Robin one sixty six. There was a bit with uh, Robin in the cave, and Robin says, quote, here's one of the best written lines of this that Beecher did. He said, Robin to Batman, you've given me a ton of opportunities in your amazing role model. There are a lot of things about you that I aspire to, but I don't want to be you. Do you know what I'm saying? So I thought that was really good. Then Bruce sort of sulks upon hearing this, and then the next panel he smiles. And I thought, wow, what a moment. So this was good. So there was there was some uh, good and some great. Mm-hmm. And that's where I landed. So this this wasn't certainly bad, but mm-hmm. you know I thought it could have been better. But this was this was overall very very decent. So mm-hmm. those were my overall thoughts. I kind of was all over the place. Jerry, what did you think? Well, I think you are you're definitely right about the 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 opening story. This is this is definitely three different stories. You have the jury folks, and then you have the lockup uh, story at the end. Um, I, I thought that. In terms of just the, if you will, the action part of this, of the plot of these three stories was at best mediocre. I thought mm-hmm. that the, especially the end piece, um, was very confusing between, you know, lock up, uh, and, you know, riot act and then the hotel scene and then lock up. I mean, it just seemed to be all over the place with no real direction. Uh, not a great plot. I thought that the opening plot was fine, straightforward. You know, Tim gets a watch. Tim fights some bad guys. Tim goes home. Okay, you know that's that's pretty normal. the The whole dodge thing now, and to focus on that a little more, I, I thought that uh, these kind of backup 
um, uh, villains, you know, tapeworm, cheater, skill. I, I don't think they were particularly introduced very well. I think that Cheater, I still don't know what his power is. I think he can disappear because he did it uh, once, but I really have no idea what he what he's all about. Uh, I did think that the skill and then the and Ravager, you know, uh, tease was interesting. But gosh, if you really at you know read this through, knowing that skill is really trying to get into the Dodge's. Uh, team i guess does that mean that robin knows about them does uh why is she making some of these decisions why is she encouraging everyone to kill robin i mean it doesn't make any sense so normally on a normal story i would stop there and say eh, not so great however i'm a tim drake fan and i think that this is a fantastic Bruce Wayne training Tim Drake uh, story. Uh, all of those pieces, Tim getting Bruce a Father's Day watch, the father-son relationship as, you know, Bruce is trying to let him go out on his own. He's trusting him. He's telling Jim Gordon, nope, let Robin take care of this. He's got it. He's giving him space. He's letting him lash out a little bit because he knows that's, you know, what, you know, having uh, somebody grow into an adult and especially a uh, superhero kind of adult is all about. I really, really like how the relationship is developed through these stories. Um, Tim is getting his own team of allies together, right? Tim is getting uh, in the story Zatara and Ravager kind of through the Teen Titans and, and through all his other, you know, people that he knows. Bruce is right to trust him. But he, Bruce knows that he's got to take the chance and let him do his thing on his own. Now, uh, so f- for that reason, I am going, I really enjoy this and, and really would uh, rate this more highly than normally I would have for the kind of mess that some of the plot elements of this are. Um, what did you think, uh, Chris, about some of these um, you know, secondary characters, not only the, the bad guys, but also, you know, Zatara and Ravager, you know, helping out Tim. I thought that was a good inclusion. And I like when we get treated as a reader to some cameo appearances of some characters that you ordinarily wouldn't find and giving them some decent exposure. Mm-hmm. This version of Zatara and cheating on one of your notes too, Jerry, because, you know, this is a cousin of Zatanna. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Because so lest will anybody get confused? Well, what is it? Is Satana's old man is fighting this guy? No, no, no. This no. is the this is the this is the, this is this is the teen nephew. Yeah. And I had forgotten about this character. To be honest, you know, I know he he had some long list of appearances. I think he even appeared on an animated version episode of Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And from what I recall from reading him in Titans, he was a little bit brusque and a little bit of a spoiled brat kind of Mm -hmm. character and i didn't necessarily get the gist of that here so that was kind of refreshing and tim using resources at hand and having the inclusion with these two characters we had a nice fake out with um the villains trying to get a jump on Tim Drake and it was really uh, Zatara and I thought that was a nice fake out. I, I, I loved how that was executed in a comic book. So I really enjoyed that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was really, really good. 
Jerry, let me flip it to you. Mm-hmm. Of we had all these uh, team that Dodge puts together, mm-hmm. and they, it was such a really oddball mix of characters. Now I think you mentioned. I think I know where you stand on Cheater, mm-hmm. but did any did you have a particular favorite or somebody as a least favorite as far as Cheater goes? Uh, so I I really. When I saw some of these characters, I'm not really that familiar with with them, and I would have liked to, to be honest, to know a little bit more and to, for them to have developed tapeworm a little more. Yeah, what a what a silly <laughs> character. I mean, you know, I know I, yeah, he he first appeared in Robin 144, which goes back a ways. Yeah. Supposedly, this character has a horrific smell to him, <laughs> and he can grow he can grow his segments at, at will. But you know, he's he was just. Always soundly defeated every time you know he gets good. But what what a what is yeah you know what a, what a weird odd character absolutely take for him. Now we've seen Ravager actually we've talked about Ravager a little bit on this podcast with the the Batgirl I think it was the one year later story where she's yes. Deathstroke Deathstroke's daughter and she was bad back in uh, that Batgirl story but I guess in the interim she's joined the Teen Titans and she's now a good guy and uh, and a Robin ally. I like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's just the whole skill thing. Like, if if she was actually a Teen Titan masquerading as a bad guy on the Dodgers team, why on earth is she making some of these decisions? It that doesn't make sense to me. So, it didn't make sense to me either. Yeah, but it's fine. I guess it's you know showing that Tim is you know has his own team and has his own guys. Um, that that part of it does work for me. What did you think about okay. the Dodge? Let's talk about him a little bit. Dodge, he was previously mentioned on a other uh, one of the other works we looked at, and I think we questioned ourselves, uh, where is this character going to pop up again? Mm-hmm. And here we have it, and here we have his end. Dodge, there was a lot of similarities here with Motive that happened in a recent Spider-Man arc. Hmm. Where he, uh, Spider-Man came across this villain called Clash, who was in reality... Uh, a, a classmate of Peter Parker's who wanted to prove himself to Spider-Man. He had the, like these uh, sound wave, uh, you know, powers and he could do these things. And Spider-Man kind of said, Hey, you know, you're, you're still new at this kid. You know, don't, don't, you know, mm-hmm. don't do this. And he was hurt. He was offended. He, and he, he think, well, how dare you? You know, I, I wanted to be your ally. And now this, mm-hmm. and I think this Spider-Man clash story came after this story, but I feel that boy are 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 these young heroes getting a lot of recycled plots and who's borrowing from who? I thought the heart was in the right place. I thought we had some nobility, and what a way to go mm-hmm. as far as a, a villain goes. You know, uh, still the unoriginal uh, sweat thing that looks like the Dodgers logo, but mm-hmm. just with the missing with the missing RS on that, but. I have some mixed thoughts. I, I thought this could have been handled a little better. We got some nobility kind of thing in the end, mm-hmm. but I'm a little soured, and I hate to say my version of this was tainted by a recent Spider-Man arc. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that recent, but still. And even though this came first, uh, having it on the reread, you know, it, I just felt like this is something I kind of saw before. Yeah. Jerry, where do you land on on how this played out with Dodge? I, I think it's. I always like having uh, a villain that has some heroic qualities too, and and can change. So I think conceptually, I think that this is 
this works. I think that it uh, it was truly kind of it is tragic, you know his his ending. He was he he dies a hero, and he he seems to be dying, you know, happy you know happy that he was able to help as he go, not regretting it. And I think that was sad. I think it was it really worked. Uh, the thing that didn't work is that why on earth would his power interact with the cheater's power, which who even knows what it is, and and cause this to happen? It was just I think the the way that it came about was kind of like just a plot convenience, and uh, you know him actually disappearing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but you know it was nice he was a good guy and uh, you know i i think it worked on an emotional level if not really a plot level that's a good point because it did work on an emotional level and this was some nobility here though but it just how it panned out and yeah. and in the time frame and stuff like that yeah I wonder what became of the other characters, though. I wanted to see some of this skill and what's her story and this macro micro. I got to find out where these, you know, talk yeah. about an odd couple. I mean, this, this, that was cool. A dude who shrinks and the woman who's a giant. I mean, you know, I wanted to see more of these guys. You know, yeah. I think, I think DC could really use a good, you know, CD list club. You know, I know sure. Batman has a stable, but uh, bring on more. Let's see more of these and have these guys stick around, you know. Yeah. Re- resurrect some of these characters, DC. Come on, get on the ball. Yeah, what's the cheater up to anyway these days? Right? Yeah, what is the cheater up to? Come I mean, on, what man. is this power? Is it, you know, is it teleportation? <laughs> what's the deal? We don't know. So. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. So, but, uh, <laughs> so, so it seems like, you know, uh, how, how would you rate this? Where would you fall on this rating-wise? Jerry, there were some things that I liked about it. One of the things I I should mention, though, the covers were really good on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't think the bloody cover on issues number 163 and 167 were that necessary. They were very garish and stuff like this, you know. And speaking of silly villains, we had this riot act too, and that was just just a nonsensical villain. I just love that. <laughs> I. You know, Jerry, I left my rating for this blank because I wasn't going to decide up until the very end, until I got to this point, where I was going to land on this because I had some conflicting thoughts. This this was an above-average thing, so what would an above-average score be? So if, I, if I'm if i to use that, you know, there, there were some things that could have been executed a little bit better from a storytelling standpoint, especially with the last chapter. We didn't know what was happening with the hotel hostage situation. Mm-hmm. That said, the flip side of that, we, we had the nice thing where Robin is taking on lockup, and he's clearly outclassed, yet somehow he prevails in the end. Mm-hmm. First story, Tim tries to do the right thing, you know, and I, it, again, I got the vibe of like um, Peter Parker getting uh, a, a dozen roses for Aunt May, and then Opie <laughs> runs into a supervillain on the street. Okay, fight the supervillain, like, like here, roses. Oh, they were run over by a truck. Oh, but. You know, his heart was in race, but you know, you could see that happen. You know, just Definitely. so that sort of, you know, it, it was okay, but the middle was nice. So I'm going to go with a 3.5. This this was certainly not the worst thing you would you would pick up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd recommend it per se, unless you're Tim Drake and Bruce uh, purist and you want to go for their relationships there. But I'm going to mm-hmm. go with a rating of 3.5 batarangs on this. What say you, sir? Well, I think normally 
uh, I would take a story that had this many plot holes in it, and I would really, really not like it. However, I am a Tim Drake fan. I think that this is a terrific, and, and not only if you're a Tim Drake fan, but I think also if you're interested in Batman as the leader of the Bat family. I think that this is interesting to see how Bruce, who now, you know, realize he's raised one superhero in Nightwing, and he's failed another superhero in um, Jason Todd, right? He At least he feels like he failed Jason, and he's trying again. And he's really, really good at this. But it's a process, right? So I thought I was so interested in just seeing how Bruce was letting Tim, you know, giving him some leash, giving him more leash, letting him go. I really, really like that. And so even though this is a plot hole ridden story, I am still going to give this four batarangs. Mm, four batarangs. Very good. Okay. It's, it's not like me, but <laughs> I, hey. like, I like that about this story. Excellent. Yeah, so, uh, w- I would, and and because of that, I would say I would recommend the story. Uh, I would just, even if you're not a, a big Tim Drake, if you're a big Tim Drake fan, I think you have to read the story. It's definitely a must read. But if you're interested in the Bat family at all, I definitely recommend this because it is really insightful into into Batman. Would you, uh, how would you think? Would you recommend this? Again, I would concur with you. Now, if you're a Tim Drake fan, yes. Is this something that you're going to have to put in your library as one of the great all-time Batman-related character reads? No, not necessarily, but that's not necessarily a hard knock on this. This is an affordably priced trade paperback that you can get probably on the cheap and less than you know the cover price and what more could you want you know this this is you know an above average story so sure expect to be confused a couple places but you know keep going yeah this is this is a comic book after all folks i mean you know this is (laughs) this is the world where it is now you know so i i think it's it's so hard because i know one of the complaints we usually have we get these multi-long huge epic stories mm-hmm. you know and that said it's it's nice to have a few of these shorter stories mm-hmm. and some hor- stories with heart and their charm in their own way i thought the artwork was good williams the sec- second yeah williams the second is is a very nice robin artist and he had a long run on his title on his shows i think his work improved over time with this mm-hmm. there were some great great panels and there were some great covers to this so yeah absolutely yeah Fantastic. Good stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I, so I think that's what we have to say about this story, uh, unless you have something else. Nope, that about does it with the Fantastic. notes, but we had some comments. We got some feedback on the last show, Jerry. Yes, we did. What it? What was said, Chris? Well, we had a couple of uh, interesting comments. First up, our buddy Ian Miller, who you mm-hmm. can find at e- IBM Miller on Twitter. This is Ian Miller. Great for Friend of the show, longtime commenter. So I can't thank you enough up front, DM, for chiming in. Ian writes in and he says, I would completely agree. You know, and this is referring to the last thing we read, which was the uh, Checkmate Outsiders book for those um, who recall. And we'd reviewed a story, and I think I landed at a 2.5. I thought this was just a very average story. And I, Jerry, do you remember? I was either a 2.0 or a 2.5. 2.0 or 2.5 somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Ian says, yeah, Ian says he completely agrees with with us, though, that this crossover was not good at all, too violent, too gross, mm-hmm. and not using the teams to the best of their ability. Sure. Chris and Jerry should really check out Greg Rucka's run on Checkmate. Hmm. It would clear things up a lot and is a really great run. Good and advice. Recently, yeah, good advice. And uh, Ian goes on to say it recently got collected in nice big trades. Hmm. So thank you for the recommendation. And then Ian also says, hey, also no mentions of Sasha being from the Bruce Wayne murderer storyline. <laughs> Smiley face emoji. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, thank you very much, Ian. We appreciate that. Yeah, Sasha does have a long, varied history. Mm-hmm. She was very instrumental. I think I only went as far as mentioning she was a bodyguard. And we sort of landed with where – she is now in present continuity. There is a lot of background with some of these characters, and while she did have a significant role in Bruce Wayne Murderer, I agree. I probably should have mentioned that. It was only a blurb, but there's just so much background in this, and it was it's, it was tough to land with how much of these characters do you want and how t- top-heavy do you want to make a podcast where you have all these characters running around and how much background do you want to get into. We try to make it tight, but there are some characters who sort of have some – uh, outer periphery in, in Bruce Wayne, you know, that, that are sort of like maybe not necessarily inner circle and more like outer circle. And then how far out do you go with mm-hmm. this? And mm-hmm. it's it's a really tough call to make. But, yeah, I am glad you mentioned that because uh, Bruce Wayne murderer storyline, I know a lot of fans would probably rate that and maybe one of their top ten Batman stories. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Ian. And we can't thank you enough for chiming in. That said, we also had heard from another fan of our show, recent fan. This is Nightstar, who you can find on Twitter at CCAPS3457. Nightstar writes in, just wanted to say I enjoyed that quote cliche comic aspect of this comic book. I do agree the various names are a little rough around the edges to get used to with who is who, but it's still enjoyable. This comic was fun, energetic, and kept an interesting pace for the reader. Well, very good. So that's an awesome comment. And you know, I could see both sides of this, you know, because, you know, I was right down the middle. There were some aspects of this which I thought really could have translated well to a, you know, I'm seeing this on film, you know, as if it was a comic. I mean, the scope of the story was huge. This was even almost beyond a James Bond movie with locales and Mm -hmm. all the elaborate stuff and all the cloak and dagger things going on and covert op here, covert op there. Mm Mm-hmm. Really, really, really great stuff. So I can't thank you, Nightstar, for chiming in and, you know, saying, hey, this was my take on it. You know, maybe you guys were a little hard on this, but, yeah, the comic was fun, energetic. And, you know, I can see your point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah, when when we go over these, it's just what you and I think. But there are definitely audiences for this book, uh, for for that one, that Checkmate book. Yeah, I can totally see how people would love that book. Mm -hmm. I just didn't happen to. Yep. So, let's see. Uh, I think that's all we had with regards to the feedback, Jerry. Fantastic. But now, I do have some Twitter comments later on. Oh. Some likes and retweets. Should exciting. we get to those now, or do you want to hold let's, off on that? Let's do it. Let's what do it. What are people okay. saying? Well, let's see. Now, we had lots and lots of likes and retweets on Twitter with regards to this. So, here we go. Buckle up. This is a long, long list, and we can't thank you enough for chiming in. I'll say up front, in advance... 
if we forget to mention you, please drop me a line. Uh, at, you can find me at BTO on BatBooks. You can uh, email me at bruce.wayne at gothamcity.us, and we'll be sure to give you a mention and shout-out on our next show. We had likes and retweets on Twitter from Xenozoic Xenophile, at Xenozoic Xenophile, the Sutherlands. Thank you very much. Bill Beer at Gotham Night 13, host of the two, host of the fine podcast, Too Old, Too New, comic book podcast they had a recent episode just dropped so be sure to check it out mm-hmm. we had we heard from chris sheehan at ace comics co-host of the Tres- cosmic treadmill yeah. good friend of the show jeff hunter at jeff hun three four nine one one eight five five jim at canada daredevil Warlord Worlds at Warlord Worlds. Paul Shanley at Paul Shanley, where you can find his excellent work on the Batman universe. Check out his great written review of the recent DVD release, Gotham by Gaslight. Very, very nice stuff. We also had a like from the Batman universe at the Batman universe. Once again, Nightstar at CCAPS. 357. Thank you very, very much. Terrence O'Neill at O'Neill Ties. Madam Monstrosity at Mad M. Monstrosity, Jennifer Oberth at Jennifer Oberth. Once again, Warlord Worlds at Warlord Worlds, who tweeted, they enjoyed this particular episode. Thank you very much, Darren and Ruth. Coffee and Comics, a fine podcast hosted by Clinton Robeson, and you can find him on Twitter at Coffee and Comics Blog. Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie, co-host of the Cosmic Treadmill with Chris Sheehan. Christine at Christine ML1. Warren Hatley at We're Viking. Let's see, we also had Gail Ann Pepper at Gail Ann Pepper, Weasel Skull at Weasel Skull from the Long Box Crusade podcast, Gaston Pujol at Pujol Gaston, Trekker Talk at Trekker Talk, again, the Southern Strike again. Mm-hmm. We also heard from Kristen Clark at Chris Doodle 79, Stella or Stella the Shipper for the month of February. <laughs> <laughs> she's at Batgirl to Oracle, and she hosts the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Now, she's going to have her Shipper Spotlight special podcast, which will have Ooh. recently dropped two days ago, if I'm doing my math right when we're recording this. Longbrox Crusade at Longbrox Crusade, who tweeted, they enjoyed listening to the show as always. Awesome. Thank, Thank you for the you. shout-outs, kind words, and letting us have fun with Chris's Twitter handle, BTO. Let it roll <laughs> down the highway. <laughs> Keep up the great podcast. They say thank you so much. Charles Griffith at Griffith Charles. Professor Geek at mm. Michael Kreitzer. Hey, check this guy out. He puts out a lot of great tweets out there. Randall Andrews at Randall Andrews 1. He hosts the Soundtrack Alley podcast and the Gen 13 Files podcast. He also commented to say, I was obsessed with Checkmate. And you guys are awesome. Thank oh, thank you, yeah. Randy. No, thank you so much. And those were all the likes and retweets. And again, if I missed you, I my sincere apologies. Please send me a direct message on Twitter or, again, email me at bruce.wayne at gothamcity.us. Mention you on the next show. So many, many likes and retweets on this particular podcast. Yeah, I can't nice. thank you enough, Jerry, thank and I sincerely so appreciate it. Thank we- you very much. So now you mentioned Batgirl to Oracle. Now, Chris, are you still uh, doing uh, reviewing Batman Adventures out there? Yes, I thank you very much, Jerry. I review the Batman Adventures title, which is based on the 90s animated series. Uh, this has been a great opportunity for me to speak on some other things that are related to the Batman universe. Stella is a very, very gracious host. She does a fine podcast where she chronicles the Barbara Gordon Batgirl character mm-hmm. in sequence. She also looks at the current Batgirl title, the current Let's see, uh, Batgirl, Birds of Prey mm-hmm. uh, title, and that's a fine look. Now, speaking of Batgirl and Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. now, Jerry, can people find your reviews anywhere, perhaps, say, 
if they Maybe. went to the BatmanUniverse.net, could they find some of Maybe. your excellent work there? <laughs> yeah, definitely. BatmanUniverse.net. I review uh, Batgirl Birds of Prey. I'm going to be starting reviewing Batgirl. And I've been reviewing Harley and Ivy Meet Betty and Veronica, which is, uh, I guess, up to five was the last one I did. So, yeah, yeah check it out. That's, that's- it's gonna and one more issue left, if I'm not mistaken. One more, I think it's a six issue mini. Six so issue mini. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you know, Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net network of podcasts and written reviews, written news reviews too. We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, some great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast Everyone Loves the Drake, Batgirl to Oracle, as we've been talking about, and so many more. If you like what we offer, please consider donating to us at the TBU Patreon account. You can find a link to the Patreon account on the BatmanUniverse.net website. Well done. Hey, Jerry, you. you know, I tweet a lot. Can the listeners find you on Twitter, my friend, as well? They probably could if they went out to Twitter and uh, looked at Professor Frenzy. My handle is Professor Frenzy, and I cover my favorite DC book. I do a lot of Dark Shadows tweeting. Uh, it's one of my little uh, my little geek geekdoms. That I, one of the things I like. I do some indie comics and I live tweet horror movies where Chris and I both uh, are big fans of Spengooly on MeTV on Saturday nights, and that's a lot of fun. Absolutely, it's a lot of fun, you know, and not just with Spengooly. Sometimes I'll go in on a little hour before, we'll do some Wonder Woman, and then I'll hang out for some Batman. Star Trek, I still. Start to fade, and then by God, by Battlestar Galactica, I, I, I'm out. You know, I just, I, I just, but boy, the people who keep up, it, it's hysterical. And oh, you know, Sven Gulli's been so, showing some uh, stuff that I haven't seen in a long, long time. So this, uh, you know, not, not. Uh, I think uh, this is stuff that he's never shown before. So please sure to catch that out. Some great, great stuff from the '70s of late, which I've really enjoyed. Uh, the '70s. Uh, a lot of these man versus nature stories mm-hmm. just just are right in my wheelhouse. So I've really been enjoying. Love it. I, I'm just glad. I'm glad that. Uh, How about you, Jerry? Me, I'm glad MeTV uh, doesn't have Kolchak on before Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> or I would never sleep. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I did manage to make it to Kolchak last night, and did yeah. Yes, what a great show! What a great show! Yeah, Firefall was the episode in it. Yeah, that's uh, I just I, I just love Kolchak. Uh, excellent cast, uh, great great acting, just just marvelous stuff on Kolchak. Darren and, McGavin hey, is the yeah, man. Darren McGavin is the man, and you know, hey, set in Chicago, hey, King, oh. you know, of course, yeah. So oh, that's really, right, it is. You're yes. you you know a little bit about Chicago? Yeah, yeah somewhere. <laughs> I'm in the ballpark. I'm in the ballpark, but as they say, but yeah, yeah, a little further than a frisbee toss, but yeah. I, I, <laughs> But but not not certainly not uh, not not uh, too far out of the woods, yeah. Um, and did we uh, cover all the friends uh, that we wanted to give shout outs to in this one? Gosh, uh, let's see. Well, of course, you know, we can't forget Cosmic Treadmill, which I know you've mentioned in Weird Comics History with uh, Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics and uh, uh, at Reggie Reggie. You can find them both out on Twitter and they discuss some classic comments, uh, comics and it's they do voices, they reenact scenes from the comic books. It's really, really great. And Reggie has a Mixler.com uh, funk uh, show on Wednesday nights uh, 
called Something Smells. So go out and check him out. They're at the uh, Weird Science uh, Radio Network, and it's it's really great stuff. And if you like funk music, and actually what he did, Chris, uh, he he did an hour of old swing music where he played a lot of Louis Armstrong and uh, some really, really great stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and follow these guys on Twitter, too, because they do a lot of really great stuff with comic history. Yes, Reggie just uh, reprinted some of the Topps uh, Civil War cards, and he gave some great background via Twitter of all the mm-hmm. platforms to do this on. Mm-hmm. And it was an enlightening, lightning piece. So make sure you just give these guys a follow on Twitter. Definitely. Christian at Ace Comics, Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie. Yeah. Certainly can't be disappointed with that. Good, Definitely. good stuff. And I think Chris has a Chris is on Infinite Earths uh, website where he reviews a comic book a day and I think he's been doing it for like two and a half years or something crazy. He's got hundreds of comic books out there. Really yeah, good stuff. Really good stuff. He did a recent drop on an uh, oldish Silver Age issue of Action Comics, which was mm-hmm. insanely well thought out, really well constructed. And I love Silver Age comics. And he, mm-hmm. this is this is stuff that he's looking at through through his lens. And I I just really enjoy reading these pieces. If you if you're a fan of comics, please do yourself a favor and go and check it out. Definitely. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us in two weeks, where Chris and I will cover Outsiders, Five of a Kind. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Bat Books for Beginners. I love a good bat book, but not a crap book. I ain't got the time. Ooh, got the time. There's a podcast that helps me through Chris and Jerry do it for you Bad, bad books for beginners On the racks and spinners Find winners Tell the good from bad, the crappy from rad, bad. Bad books for beginners. On the racks and spinners, find winners. Tell the good from bad, the crappy from rad. Tell the good from bad, the crappy from rad.